If you're a veteran or military spouse of an early stage startup or small business and feel like you're making it up as you go, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Transition, where we demystify the entrepreneurial experience for veterans and military spouses who've already made or looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the voice of the bunker. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Last branding team. On this episode of The Transition, I'm joined by Army veteran and CEO Circle alumni, Miles Murray, co-founder of Low Coal Charcoal Company, a waste-to-energy climate technology company with a mission to change the way the world looks at waste. Utilizing their proprietary, mobile, containerized, fluidized gasifier, Low Coal positively impacts the world by diverting waste, converting it to clean energy, while capturing carbon and value-added co-products. Miles has a passion for sustainability and exemplifies the meaning of founder product fit. He holds an undergraduate degree in sociology and environmental engineering from the United States Military Academy, an MBA, and a master's in technology commercialization, all with an emphasis on sustainability tech. On the show, Miles discusses what led to his diehard passion for sustainability, what eventually made him to make that entrepreneurial leap and go all in on his venture full time, and the realities of hard tech entrepreneurship, something we haven't covered on The Transition until now. Before you hear from Miles and I, be sure to subscribe to The Transition newsletter at the link in the show notes. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter, shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org or message me directly on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. Also, be sure to check out the official 2022 Bunker Labs Holiday Gift Guide, which features over 60 veteran or military spouse-owned businesses. You can access the guide at the link in the show notes. This episode of The Transition is brought to you by MetLife Foundation and their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. In addition, MetLife Foundation provides mentorship and financial health resources to veterans and military spouses transitioning into the workforce. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show and that accelerates you on your own entrepreneurial journey. Miles. Welcome to the transition. I know you're coming off an uh, energized experience at CEO Circle in New York City. Y'all can't see me. I'm freezing, y'all. I got my little jacket on because I got to cut off the uh, air whenever I do these podcasts. But, man, I, this is going to be a fire episode because just talking with Miles, you know, at our pre-interview, everything you're doing around sustainability, technology, commercialization, you know, hard tech. I feel like I haven't covered this on the show yet, man. So I'm honored to have you here uh, with us today. And Mike, man, I, I can't say how thrilled I am to be here. I, what you do with your following and your message, I mean, it's just an inspiration. The CEO circle brought a bunch of CEO veterans together, and that's just a unique experience. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely high on life right now, man. So, Miles, go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience. Let them know what you've got going on. Yeah, so... Well, I mean, I'm Miles. Uh, I used to be uh, used to be a soldier. I'm a veteran. I uh, got to spend some time in Iraq uh, and uh, went a tour over there as a, as a combat armsman. Had a chance to lead a company while I was over there. Uh, you know, we were using a lot of our fuel to burn our own waste, and we'd run out of energy. We'd run out of generator fuel, and it was one of those things where I felt like I was more combating the elements that I was combating, you know, either either terrorists or trying to do that nation building because we were just trying to maintain our own our own outpost. So I, I 
years later, I, I got a, got together with some of the guys that I deployed with, and we decided to go start a technology company, and we were going to turn waste into energy, and we were going to put it in containers because we knew that we could relocate it. And we just know there's a lot of places in the world that are looking for a waste solution. They're looking for clean energy and consistent energy. And, uh, and so that's what we, uh, that's what we work on, man. What's the name of your company? So it's, it's the local, uh, we're local That's spelled L O C O A L that's, that's for low carbon. Uh, but also at the local level, you know, a little bit of play on words there. And our, we're a technology company that builds hardware that can convert waste into energy. And that energy is also, uh, uh, part of that process, we're pulling the carbon out of it. And so we make a, a carbon capture into biochar, which is sort of that physical carbon capture. And then we make renewable natural gas that we use to burn, you know, to burn inside, uh, generators with low emissions. So your idea, the seed for this idea was planted while you're on deployment? Yeah, that was, that was definitely it. I, I just remember telling my guys, I'm like, you know, you know that scene from Back to the Future where the dude like drops a bunch of stuff into Mr. Fusion and he's able to fly away and he's like, man, where we're going, we don't need roads. And, and I just remember thinking to myself, I was like, dude, it'd be really cool if we didn't need log pack to bring us fuel, like if we could figure this out on our own. And so I met a buddy of uh, the, uh, I say a buddy of mine, I mean, my co-founder, but he's also a great friend. Uh, my co-founder I met in grad school, which was more of a practitioner of sustainability, not a veteran, uh, spent his 20s uh, doing music tours and supporting rock bands. So like we have this really different, different dynamic, but both love of science and love of sustainability and energy. And so he was taking wood waste and making charcoal by hand out of it and was working on the formulas to build a bigger system. We came together and I said, hey, I know a thing or two about engineering, so let's go design this new machine and let's build a business and a community around it. What I think is cool about that was I came up with the idea for uh, Ironbound Boxing. Not necessarily, I take that back, I knew that that's what I wanted to do while I was on deployment, right? I remember sitting in my PB, reading books on boxing. I think I read uh, Angelo Dundee's My View from the Corner, where he was talking about training Muhammad Ali, and I was like, I'm starting a boxing gym. Right. I'm going to do it like that was where I pulled the trigger. And I think when I think about a lot of veterans, we all remember, you know, excuse my language, shooting the shit. People talking about we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And it's cool to see some of us like actually do it and keep nourishing those ideas and keep cultivating them over the years. And I know you have a story there because, you know, you had to be patient. It wasn't like an overnight thing, you know, that 10 year overnight success, like they like to say. And I'm excited to get into it um, before we do that, though. We got to get vulnerable and take off our armor, all right? So we're the anti-hustle porn podcast over here, Miles. You know, everybody loves to jump on the cover of Forbes and podcasts and tell you how easy entrepreneurship is, but we know the reality is uh, it's not the case. We all deal with demons and challenges in our own lives, and so this is our opportunity to get vulnerable for our listeners as a form of inspiration. And so I'll go ahead and set the tone. Uh, I'm going to take off my armor. People think I'm super confident. Right. Like I'm just like, all oh, got it going on. You know how they say, oh, man, you're killing it, Miles. Mike, you're killing it. But for the longest time. Right. I had a chip on my shoulder. I never thought I was very smart. Um, and it wasn't until like recently for over like the last year, really doing some self-reflection, really working on my confidence that I have finally been able to drop a lot of those chips, 
you know, and stop looking at the past in such a negative light, mistakes I've made, you know, on deployment, you know, in my professional career, and just looking towards the future and now finally able to be more, I don't know, uh, bridging that gap between how people see me and how I see myself, right? Uh, a lot of times I don't feel like I, uh, in the past, I haven't always viewed myself in the most positive light. Like I beat myself up pretty bad, but that's also one of the challenges that come with doing hard things. And so learning the tools and how to push past it through prayer and uh, meditation and self-awareness has been super impactful for me. So for a lot of you out there that are dealing with uh, that, you know, um, I hope you find some strength and understand that like you're not the only one and there are tools out there available. And I would start with just pure meditation, learning to separate your thoughts uh, from um, your, yourself. Yeah. Well, I mean, one thing I'll tell you that, that the, the story does continue and, you know, the two of the guys that are on my team right now were the two guys that pulled me out of a burning truck after we got hit by an IED. And the, that moment was incredible. Like my operations officer was my platoon sergeant. My, my, my production manager was, uh, was our lead, uh, was our best E5, top E5. He was a gunner, but, he, you know, he ran the platoon on the day-to-day -day and a lot of stuff. And that, that's Josh and Tim. And over the years, you know, I didn't, I didn't just wake up one day and was like, man, I'm going to build Rainmaker. Like, I, it, you're right. It took a decade. It took a decade of, for one, me having to recover from that IED, which took a couple of years. And those guys still being there for me, even after we separated units. And then, you know, it took a lot of, it took a, there's a, it's probably a, a list of a hundred people at least in my life, mainly other military dudes and women that, uh, that helped me, helped me overcome the confidence that you lose after getting hurt so bad. And you're having to, you're not walking right the same way. You're not talking the way you used to, you don't remember things. And it just, I don't know, like, you just don't think you're going to get out of that, that gap. But, um, but entrepreneurship gave me a challenge. I mean, it was one of those things that I just knew that it was, the hardest thing I could do if I couldn't continue to serve in uniform was to like see a problem that others weren't solving and just, just fucking solve it, man. You know, like commit to it. And it gave me purpose and it gave other people purpose on my team. And we've over the last few years, we have built such an incredible, an incredible culture within the team. I mean, there's, there's most of us are veterans. Most of us are there for each other because we need each other in our lives. And what this entrepreneurial journey has done is it gave us kind of a true north uh, azimuth to shoot towards. And, and I would say that it's part of what's brought me out of really dark moments. I mean, I, I remember about a year before I launched Local, it was about six years after my deployment, seven years. And I, I, that's when I hit rock bottom. It wasn't the year after, it wasn't the year after that. It was seven years. And I just knew I, I needed to change. I knew I needed to find something that was just so much bigger than myself. And it was something that I felt like was right in my skill set. And I just thought, you know, man, there's a global call to action on climate and sustainability. There's countries and communities around our own country, around the world that don't have reliable power, don't have good food security. And uh, what better, what better cause to work towards? And so, it's been a long journey, but uh, we're here and we're doing better than ever. What did rock bottom look like for you? 
it was when you wake up and you just felt like there was no purpose left that I was going to go to a job in corporate America that could not care less if I was there the next day. They say so, but the business continues. And it would be like, hey, it's just another guy that came and went. And I was spending most of my days with that in that environment where, you know, you just weren't, you, you didn't feel like you were truly worthwhile of your time, I should say. Um, but I, I remember one day I got to work and Mike, I gotta be honest with you, man. Like I, I, uh, I don't think I've ever publicly told this story. So here we are. Uh, I was, <clears throat> I drove to downtown San Antonio where my, where, where I was working, and I went up to, uh, and I wasn't walk. I was still having a hard time walking. I was still using a cane, and so I went to the handicapped places, and there was just none of those left. And I finally like had to go all the way to the top, and I remember going to the top and parking. And I, I went to the, where the elevator was and the elevator was out of service. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, I don't even want to be here. And there's a chance that I could fall down the stairs right now. And I just, it was the, I, I just looked over the, I looked over the top of the, you know, of the parking garage and looked down on the street. And I remember just thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I could get down there real fast if I just jump. And I, and I just knew right then and there, I, I, just, I, I needed help. So I, I just, Got back in my truck. I drove straight over to the VA and I started my recovery right then and there. Just walked in and said, I've had a thought that was very invasive and very ugly. And I've got kids and I've got a life that I know is with purpose and with value. I haven't found it and I'm losing touch. And so, uh, and that was 2018. That was, um, I took, took a little while off of work. Fortunately, a lot of people were real supportive. That, that's the one thing I would say is that People have always been supportive, uh, and I, so I blessed that way. Uh, but yeah, that, that was the worst for me. And I remember calling my wife, and then I called my dad, and then I called Petey, my co-founder, and I just said, hey, man, I think, I think it's going to be a hard road for me, but I think this is what we ought to do. We ought to launch local. And so we, we made the call. Man, I want you to know how much I appreciate you sharing that story. Um, I know you're a high performer. You know, um, West Point grad, once more enough to go to Navy, but you're able to get into West Point. Um, but yeah. you sharing those stories, you know, lets people know we're human. Um, and it gives strength to a lot of our listeners out there uh, that are struggling stuff with their own lives. And so really, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate you sharing that story to a lot of people you haven't met, but you're inspiring and creating that impact. And I think, you know, that's what you do as a fighter leader. You create impact that extends well beyond uh, yourself. Now. One of the things that you've done is you've created an amazing team of vets to support what you're building. But we know a lot of times we get out the military, right? And we get away from our tribe, right? And uh, you spent the last week as an entrepreneur, you know, around a tribe of veteran entrepreneurs in CEO circle. What was that experience like to be able to come together and be around other veteran CEOs? It's like the feeling of coming home, no matter where you are. I mean, you know, like you just, it's warm. And it's familiar and it's, and you know that you're around people who are equally as passionate about life. They got electricity coming out of their fingertips. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, we're, and it doesn't, and it's not always, it's not always perfect, but what the, the energy is always positive. So that's, you know, that's one of the things that we talk on our team all the time is like, it's not always perfect, but it's always positive, you know? And, um, and because of that, I'd say that I was able to open up around issues that I'm dealing with with other veteran employees. I can talk about, 
you know, what, what we're doing from a mission standpoint and how that, you know, how that transcends uh, some of our independent businesses and we talk values. And, and that's, that's the big thing I can say, Mike, is I've never come across people that have such a credible grasp of character and values. And that is whenever you can combine veterans who are also the go-getter entrepreneurs that say, I can build and I can, I can create and I can promote and I can create community. And, uh, and that's, that's the builders, man. It's the builders that, that spent, spent a career in the service and you can tell. So for those of you thinking about CEO circle, guys like miles are the caliber of people you're going to be hanging out with we're talking about honor. You know, we're talking about leaders of character, right? There's a lot of people out there to talk, just chasing profitability. We preach one thing, but you know, at the end of the day, it's still leadership, man. And so CEO circle is a phenomenal program. And that's actually how I got connected um, with miles to, to get on the show. So I'm excited to highlight that program. Now, miles, take us back early days. Talk to us about how you became an entrepreneur. Yeah. So, I mean, I dabbled in entrepreneurship while I was still working, you know, looking at things like, I don't know, like vending machines and buying and selling fuel for the government as a, as a, as a disabled veteran owned business. And, and none of it really was for one, it wasn't working. Uh, but two, it was, I think part of the reason why I wasn't working is that I wasn't, I wasn't passionate about it as much. Um, I needed to build something that hadn't been built before. And I'd always had this issue that we had had in Iraq, like I was telling you about, about you got this waste problem. You got this, you know, spending more time trying to get clean water to my soldiers than us doing our mission. And I just thought to myself, how does a society succeed if it can barely feed itself, if it can barely hydrate itself, if it can barely power its hospitals? I mean, what what is the what's the true, you know, expectation? So when I go back and I said, look, we got to solve a problem that is globally needed, a problem that is just globally felt. And so I called up my platoon sergeant after uh, my co-founder and I decided to do this. And I, I asked him, I said, hey, do you want to you want to move to Texas for six to nine months, live on a couch and not get paid? And he and he just said, sure, what are we doing? And that, and that was really what it was. I said, we're going we're gonna to change the way people look at waste. We're going to change the way that people look at clean energy. And it's no longer going to be just something that is a pipe dream. But like, literally, we're going to figure this out. And so two years, uh, a year into that conversation, we're welding pipes in the middle of a parking lot in Marble Falls, Texas. <laughs> and, and a year after that, we're presenting a, our first demoed prototype to the Air Force. And now here we are almost on year three and we're ready to, you know, start putting it out there into the community and start showing people what it can do. Um, and so, but that, those early days, it was all hope and a lot of uncertainty and a lot of unknowns, but there was a lot, there was, you know, a lot of that camaraderie that brought us together. We, we started on a whiteboard and and, and now we have a performance lab of bioenergy. Now, what's your initial product that you're it when you describe it, you're ready to launch it? Is it Rainmaker? Yeah. So the Rainmaker is our flagship technology. It is a containerized biomass energy plant in a box. And what is unique about it is that it's entirely autonomous, meaning that you can operate it from a handheld device. It'll separate carbon from the so 
when you take a bunch of bio waste or wood waste and you heat it up, it'll it'll combust if you light it on fire. But if you don't light it on fire, uh, it'll char all the wood and it'll steam off all the gas. And we scrub that into a clean energy or into a clean gas and then we burn a generator. And so what you end up with is a box that you can drop in any city, any village around the world. So as long as you've got you know, a decent, decent amount of wood waste, which pretty much is everywhere around the world, you can power, you can power a community, you can power hospitals after natural disasters, you can, you can stop throwing waste into landfills and start throwing it into my technology. And so, yeah, it'll be a, uh, a, not necessarily a first of its kind from a concept of turning wood into energy, but a first of its kind and that it's small, compact, and still able to power, you know, uh, up to 250 kilowatts of energy, if you will. You're the first hard tech entrepreneur I believe I've had on this platform, if I'm not mistaken. Could you describe hard tech uh, venture to our listeners sure. and some of the challenges that come? Because, you know, it's already hard enough to launch a SaaS platform, right? It's right. hard enough to launch a small business to get capital. Now you start talking about hard tech, right? Like you say, you're welding. There's all kinds of stuff that goes into it. And so I would love for you to go ahead and introduce, you know, that uh, that route to our listeners. Right. So, you know, the first thing I would say when it comes to hard tech is that you got to be able to engineer it on paper before you do anything else. And, and it's not a build it crappy, throw it into the market, get feedback from the market and sort of build it in, in a beta environment. It just doesn't work that way. Physics doesn't work that way. So we, we start off with a great design. And then what we did was that we went after uh, public public funded research and development uh, grants. And so I, you know, I, I went to the Air Force. They, they do a lot of, you know, sustainability and innovation contracts through the AFWORKS program. And I said, hey, I think I can take all the pallets that are produced at ports, Navy ports, Air Force, uh, logistics hubs, and I can turn it into a clean energy and I can pull the carbon out and I can infuse that carbon back into the soil to remediate areas that have been dilapidated um, from climate change and or or just human destruction. And I said, okay. Uh, they said, great. Here's, here's half the money you need to build it. Well, we uh, we built what we could, and we went after investors, and really we 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 talked through how yes, it's a heavily capitally intensive early years, but once we're through this, it is a customer funded model. You know, you get into better better economics from a venture standpoint later, but you got to get through the build. So the biggest challenge that we run into is that, you know, for one, people want to see a fully working product before they invest into it. And when you're building a three to five million dollar machine, it takes a few rounds of investment to get it right. Nonetheless, to get it commercially tested and, and lab tested. I mean, we, we are creating energy from waste that is dangerous if you don't control it right. And so... You got to talk about the risks. You got to know that you got to show that you have a team and a competence to get it done. And then you have to show that you have the ability to, to, to maintain the supply and demand curve. So yeah, hard tech is great in that if you build something that people truly need, you will fill up your pipeline of sales well beyond your capacity to manufacture it very quickly. And so your three, your three difficulties, just to make it simple. 
First is you got to know what you're going to build and you got to know how you're going to build it before you get started. So design it, simulate it, get your material list, get a clean budget and a team to build it. The second part of it is get as many people with their hands on the product as possible so that you get a massive sales demand pipeline signals to investors that if they build it, people will come. And once it's built and it's there, you got to continue to work on your capital and funding partners, both in VC and into traditional banking so that you can manage the manufacturing process and meet the demand. And you'll hear different terms for hard tech, deep tech, right? Uh, 3D printing. I had a scout on one of our podcasts that's literally 3D printing a, uh, uh, what are those? A rocket ship, <laughs> literally, right. you know, he's building an airline, right? To get anyone in the world anywhere in two hours or less through their rocket ship, right? Beats wow. by Dre, headphones, right? At the consumer level, right? It's these physical products that we're building out. That's what we mean by hard tech and deep tech. Right. And the reason Miles is talking about, you know, making sure you have uh, uh, the prototype in hand, you've got some distribution channels because there is going to be a lot of upfront costs to build this out. And the business model for hard tech is just, is different than typical SaaS, right? Because right. SaaS, you build your platform. Yeah, you're going to go after your enterprise accounts, but you're just hooking, right? For like deep tech, hard tech, you need to get that big account out the gate. So you got to spend a lot of right. money to be able to fund the product and the development of the product, that R&D, and then you've got to have the distribution channels to take that product to market. And in your case, you're describing like the government. So you've already been thinking ahead because I remember being in Afghanistan, hiking, you know, up to the CP to get fuel to hike back three miles and carry it to our uh, patrol base, right? And then just like you said, I'm thinking about, I run Ironbound. Whenever gear comes, what do we get? These giant pallets. Whenever I go pick up Gatorade, what do I get? These giant pallets. What do we do yeah. with that? So now you're talking about being able to take that kind of wood and turn it into a, a fuel um, that we can use. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say that, you know, a lot of people know the Cybertruck was first kind of promoted back in 2017, 2018, yet it's still not going to be mass produced for probably another couple of years. You know, it goes to show that, like, you know, uh, it's it's not as easy to get as many people to use your technology because you have to produce it as well. Whereas in a SaaS model, you know, you're trying to get as many users on your platform, but they're, you know, that it's that recurring you know, in maintaining them uh, and that new account acquisition and then the existing account maintenance uh, and maintaining those is, is a little bit different. Um, really, it's about performance of our technology first and foremost. When it comes to hardware, you must build things that matter and things that work. And there's a lot of people that build things that don't matter or don't work very well. And that's because it's expensive and it's difficult to build things that matter and work. And so... Um, so yeah, anyway, I don't want to belabor that point. I would say though, that if you're getting into hardware, now's the best time. Uh, meaning that there is, there's, there's, there is a, a call to action for a lot of infrastructure builds for new products that are, uh, that are more sustainable, more durable, lighter, uh, more connected, more modular, if you will. So as the transition in energy in America goes forward, you're going to see, a lot more of this built environment. You know, your 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 car should be connected to every EV charging station available around you. And as soon as you hit a certain level, it should automatically lock in 
an appointment for you to go charge. Like those, that's that's the world that we're moving into. That's going to take sensors. It's going to take uh, new battery systems. It's going to take new wind energy systems and new bioenergy systems to offset fossil fuels. Like now's the time to get into the hardware space, and that's why we did. That's a million dollar insight from Miles. What he's talking about. There's a market pu- market fuel market pool. Excuse my language for hard tech for sustainability, right? And so you've got to look at those opportunities around. Now, Miles, I want to ask you this, okay? I'm a new futurist, right? When you're doing what you're doing, you kind of have to live in the future a little bit, right? Well, and I don't know what your background was from West Point, but the idea of what you're building, I'm like, how do you build these things? You know, it's one thing to come up with an idea, right? You're telling friends and they're like, I don't know if I really understand how you're going to do it. I hear you, it's needed, but like, what's the how, right? So how do you bring a team together to even manifest something like that because until i got a business coach and learned the concept of who not how right i would be stressing out about like well we got to do this we got to do this we got to do this and something that's so it sounds very complex is what i'm getting at and yet you're still able to do it yeah so uh well the first thing i'll tell you is that yeah i do live in the future but principles man those those have those have lasted forever true grit teamwork understanding your clear purpose and, it, you know, you start off with, I started off with, hey, we move things in containers a lot. We consume a lot of energy. We produce a lot of waste. We should relocate a container to a waste pile that can consume it and produce energy. And, and that simple, very clear understanding of a problem fit is what sort of set, set us in motion. The first thing I did was, what are people doing today? You know, how is this problem even be attempted today to be solved today? And are they doing it so well that it doesn't matter if I improve it? You know, it's just an incremental improvement. Well, then I found out the reason why people aren't doing it today, because it's hard to take a big old pile of waste and turn it into a clean fuel. I mean, it just it's difficult from a from a physics standpoint. It's difficult from a filtration standpoint. But it is a solvable problem because we have the technologies, uh, or at least the supporting technologies and theories, to be able to heat things up and cool things down. And when you do that, you kind of, just like when you're boiling water, you can boil other things and they steam off. And so how we did it was we started off with understanding what is in the waste and what is the potential value of it, meaning that how much energy could I pull out of it? How much carbon could I pull out of it? And that, 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 that's... Then, then it was like, how do we get it small to where we can turn it into kind of a powder so we can heat it up in, in that way? All right, well, let's go find grinders and hammers. So we found grinders and hammers. And I said, okay, well, how are we going to heat it up? Well, we know enough about, you know, thermodynamics. Let's get some copper coiling and let's, let's heat up a pipe, you know, into a certain temperature and at a certain speed. And then, okay, we got all this nasty raw gas coming out of it. Well, let's scrub that and let's run a natural gas generator because as a military dude, I was like, look, the government's not going to use this unless they can piece it together with commercial off the shelf systems. Like that's the way this is going to work. So my true north was also kind of well bracketed by my experience and knowing that you got to be able to plug this thing in and, and it'd be able to play ball immediately. So I said, all right, well, we're scrubbing the gas. Now we got to be able to put an easy button on it. And so I went and talked to sort of robotics and automation engineers and read a few books. And I said, okay, 
We're gonna press this button. It's gonna start this process on the very far left of the system. It's gonna start grinding up wood. By the time it passes through the whole system, I've got carbon falling out of the bottom and clean energy going into the grid and no emissions going out of the smokestack. And, and, and it took a couple of years and a bunch of engineers and a bunch of books and a bunch of math uh, to get it there. Uh, but how it's built, it's built with discipline, true grit, trust. I, I would say trust is probably one of your least talked about aspects of entrepreneurship. But one of the things that I, I really pride myself on is that um, we developed a culture in our company that says that we move at the speed of trust. Means that we don't question uh, the integrity or the discipline a lot behind decision making. Uh, we can challenge it if we don't think it was, if we thought corners were cut. But what we do is that we all build up like the trust factor in everyone else because we consistently deliver on quality and excellent work to, you know, so I work on the architecture and I work on the hardware design with one of my engineers. My co-founder works on the markets and what we do with the carbon and the carbon credits. He's got his group and we both know that we're working great. And we interact and communicate. Another principle from the service was kind of make it one checkpoint at a time, check in, make sure we're all on the same page, move out. So going back to your principles, right? It's leadership, right? You set the it vision, is. okay? You align the team, you find that who, right? Who we need to have, like you say, the engineers and stuff like that and you drive that vision. And it's gonna be hard, yeah. but you are responsible for bringing that A team together, right? Yeah. And execute. Absolutely. So, you know, you think about it, man, like when we were training up, I was training up for Afghanistan with my guys, same guys, some of the same guys that are with me. We were doing tanks and Bradleys, getting ready to go to Southern Afghanistan. As soon as we get back from, from, uh, from California during training, change of mission. You're gonna be in trucks, you're going to an urban environment in Iraq, and you're going to be helping build up, getting ready for the national elections. And I was just like, we need different tools. We need different people. You know, like we got our core team of, of, of the guys in my company. But, you know, we needed to add to the table. And I think that's just understanding your problem and understanding your objective and that, that kind of what we call organizational clarity, if you will. That's what drives that trust. And I think that's what that's been one of the super strengths of this team is that we may be wrong from time to time, but we're never confused. And it's interesting because a lot of early stage founders, they want to do everything themselves. You know, they like got to have their hands in every single thing. But at a certain point, it's like you got to have the wherewithal to understand like, hey, part of being an entrepreneur is finding that who. It's not us doing every single thing. You know, I'm not the Mr. Audio expert. Right. I have a team for that. Right. I can build shows. I can build brands. You know, that's my process. But uh, it sounds like, you know, you knew early on to get out of your own way. It's like, hey, we need to find some engineers. We need to get out there and start talking to people. I'm gonna go read some books, like, yeah. and, and focus in my but zone of genius. That, that's 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 the difference between that West Point and Navy grad, you know, kind of education is that you know you know how to get out of your own way, kind of thing. Now, uh, you know, you, you learn early. I, I I was fortunate that my dad. So my dad is a uh, basketball and football coach. So. Uh, all growing up, it was knowing how to be a team player, knowing that, you, you know, uh, I was an offense lineman. So it was I was part of the big ugly. That was what we called all of our offense linemen. And, and you just you had to work hard as a team. And you know that it's just one rep after another and never quitting. And 
Um, and so, yeah, we set that big vision, but it was, it was me knowing the limitations of my own expertise and my own capabilities and me recognizing the, the, the genius and the, and, the, and the amazing skill of the other people and letting them, letting them find their way, you know, in this. And so, you know, man, I, I don't, I wasn't the guy that led the the stack a lot of times when we were in combat. I wasn't the guy that was the front vehicle. That was Josh, my operations officer. He was my point man. He's our point man now. It's what he's great at. He gets out there and he sticks his nose into the hornet's nest, if you will, and finds out what's up and, and solves problems like that. And, and I give him the space to do that. And like I said, sometimes sometimes it ain't pretty. And that's that's the other part of it. Like to talk about vulnerability, like we have screwed up this We've screwed up so many times. I, I can't even, I got books on my wall on every time I've screwed up to go try to find an answer and how I could have done it better. But, you know, you're going to screw up and you got to be able to be okay with with minor failures and, and be able to even be a, a absorb and adopt major ones. Um, you can't do that as an individual. You try to do that as an individual, I'm going to smoke you as an entrepreneur. If I, whenever I come across competitors where I can tell they're a, for a one or two person show, I'm not worried. I've got I've got 10 core team members. I got 20 friends, advisors, investors. I've got hundreds of just, you know, followers and community. And, and all of them, I ask them all, how can we be better? We're a tidal wave. What's the saying? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Yeah. That's it. And we we can't afford. We can't afford to go it alone. The, the, the mission that I'm on is not just any run of the day mill. This is a good idea. We can make some money. We can get a fast exit. You know, it, it's bigger than that. And that's that's both a blessing and a curse. But I, I am committed and I have been committed since I was went through environmental engineering at West Point to building better societies. I went to Iraq. I wanted to build. I wanted to build municipal capabilities. I wanted to improve their water systems and their power grids. That wasn't standard in the mission. It was just what was needed. So and that's that's it. You, you got to be able to, you got to be able to build a team that has a bigger vision than you can ever accomplish. And that's how you, that's how you build things that are so amazing. You do it as a team. You studied environmental engineering at West Point. I did environmental engineering and sociology. I wanted to know why uh, groups like the Taliban and Al Qaeda even needed to exist. Like, what function were they serving? that a general democratic society could not provide. And I, you know, one of the, it, it's a complex answer and, 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 and there's a lot to it, but one of the things that I could latch onto where I knew I could make a difference was access to clean water, access to reliable energy, a waste uh, management system that did not have, you know, people throwing buckets of their own waste into their own front yard. And, and then the, so, so the environment along with the social constructs that, that those colliding aspects of culture and resource availability. The reason I asked that question is getting back to uh, founder product fit, right? So, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs that see speculation, oh, you know, uh, NFTs, you know, Bitcoin, yada, yada, yada. But listen to Miles, right? Environmental engineering, sociology. You go on to get an MBA, okay? Then you get a master's in science and technology commercialization. You are the one to bring this vision to life. I'm 100% yeah. confident in that. And I think you're 100% confident in that as well because you can even look at your own background and say like, if there's anybody to do it, 
It's going to be me. That's how I feel about Ironbound Boxing. National champ from the Naval Academy, multiple times. You know, African-American, living in the heart of Newark, New Jersey, right? Like, we fit the mold for those environments. And so you all that are listening in, right, that's the level of passion and expertise that I want you to be able to bring to your ventures because that's how you crush the competition, you know? Because other people are going to be second-guessing themselves versus a man like Miles. He's like, man, I've been in the arena for a minute. You know, you're just yeah. now joining the party. Another thing. Go ahead. What were you gonna I was gonna say, say you know, I, I think uh, you gotta you gotta be the best at what you do. At least you gotta drive yourself to be the best at what you do. Like even if you didn't, so like you know, some people discover what they want to be in their 30s, and I think that's great. But once you kind of discovered that thing, become an expert. Don't don't cutting. There's no cutting corners, and there's no somebody else's book that you can read that replaces you doing in there and doing the work. Like you gotta get in there and you gotta get your hands dirty. I got. My hands are black and full of grease all the time because I'm in there cranking wrenches and 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 uh, and, and working with my guys on the product. And, and there'll be a time, and maybe we're getting to that time soon, when when I'll be more working on the business side than the engineering side. But I did. We we have to do your time in the trenches. There's no skipping over. Now we spent a lot of time talking about actually building a company, but I think you can provide some valuable insight to the other aspect of you were working a full-time job up until a few years ago, if I'm not mistaken. I was. How were you balancing that with keeping the dream alive, nourishing it, and then also having a family? Right. You know, uh, uh, you, you, learned, you learn time budgeting in these situations when you have passion for multiple things. I, I love my wife and children dearly. They're, they're what fuel me. I mean, that's, that's what I come home to. And even when I'm working at home, when I step out of my office, like that's, that is everything to me. That's my base. That's my rock. Right. Uh, and my faith is completely intertwined with that. I mean, my, my children and I, I mean, we, you know, we went to mass on Saturday. We went back on the church on Sunday. We're this morning talking about things. I mean, faith is intertwined into my life and it always has been. And that's been that foundation for me doing hard things. I would say that's that's half personality. Uh, I went to the academy, probably like you did. We we went to pursue hard things. We wanted we wanted to see what the merit, you know, the real makeup of our character was, and challenge it to the core over and over again. When I needed, when I knew local was to be launched, and I knew that I was still going to have to work nights and weekends for a couple of years, the first thing I did was I sat down with my family and I just told them, I said, I. I I have to do this. This isn't just a, a an idea. It's not a hobby. This is this is my purpose. This is why why I was, you know, as a kid growing up in you know northern Louisiana, you know, working tree management with my family farm. This I go to the academy to continue my understanding of environmental water systems and watershed systems, while also learning about societies. Because I you know coming from a small town in the south. I needed to broaden my understanding of the way the world worked. I was going to be impactful. So I sat down with them and I said, hey, I, I have to do this. And none of them gave me any argument. They were like, we know. And so uh, so I, I would get up first thing in the morning early. I would get my PTN and I would spend two hours, an hour or so on the business. I'd go to work and I'd dedicate as hard, hardcore as much as I could to my workday. And I'd try to get out of there a little bit early every day. And I went immediately over to, to the campus and I would crack open my books for grad school or if I was going through that at the time, 
or just working on local. I kind of had grad school and local launched at the same time and the second grad school program. And I just focused and I didn't let, let anything distract me in those moments. And I mean, I just trusted my wife to take care of the kids trusted my, my, my parents to handle what they needed to handle nearby. And I would just, I just locked myself in. So three hours every day was protected. Uh, and I, I didn't stop working out and I didn't stop spending my, my, my time with my family or my faith. And I still brought in a paycheck. What I didn't get to do was a lot of the things that were leisure and fun. And so it was a bit of a mental challenge for me for several years that I never really felt like I had a stress outlet. And that's the one thing I would say is that, you know, it's working. So I don't know if I would go back and change anything, but if I could, I would, I would tell myself, take it easy, little brother. Like, take it easy a little bit. You don't need to stress yourself out in silence. You know, find these good outlets. So it, it's doable, but respect your own humanity in the process. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, for me, my outlet is CrossFit. I love CrossFit, you know, being around that community. And just last Monday, man, you know, Monday, I'm hitting the ground running. Can't wait to get into it. But my girlfriend said, which asked me if I wanted to grab breakfast with her. You know what I did? Dropped what I was doing. We went and had a nice breakfast at one of my favorite coffee shops. And I got a new client that day. I don't know if it's the universe talking to me or what, but sometimes, you know, what's those saying? Slow is smooth. Smooth is fast because yes, you know, they love to tell entrepreneurs move fast and break things, but that could that could also be yourself, your mental, your mentality, um, your family. You know, we're not just going along this journey by ourselves. So I think you having the wherewithal to have that conversation with your family is a million dollar insight. I'm gonna walk away with. Um, and for those of you listening, I think you should um, you know, as well. What was the moment that you said? I'm going all in full time because for a lot of, was it like you got an account, you got a grant or something because a lot of our listeners are feel like they're at that cusp, but they haven't been able to identify when is the right time to pull the trigger. Yeah. Um, so the very moment I remember was when the Air Force said that they were interested in funding a project. And so it was a definitive moment in time for me. It would have been irresponsible, I think, and uh, to jump too early because you'll fail. Like it's, you can't jump out of the plane before it's taken off. You know what I mean? The yeah. parachute won't open. And so uh, you have to get some lift off. And then as soon as it lifts off, you have, you, you have to be able to dedicate to it. And so it was both, a timing of the, like, I'm ready to do this as a person. And secondly, is I'm able to, I've got the resources to do what I, to execute my plan. And so whether it was a grant or getting fu funding, one thing I would say is you cannot have all of it all at once. Yeah. Like you're going to have to make that jump. And if you believe in yourself and you've done the work, to know that what you're building is ma matters and it's real, uh, then it's not that you don't have fear, but be fearless. Be fearless in the mirror. Tell yourself every single morning, you know, like Rocky did whenever he's staring at Apollo Creed. Like that's what's in your face every day. But if you really look at what he's looking at is that he's staring himself in the mirror. That Apollo Creed is just his reminder of, of the thing that's out there, uh, getting, in the, getting in his way of being the best of who he is. 
And, that, and that's what it was for me. I, I needed to be the best of who I could be. And there was only one route that I knew that I could do that. And that was through being an entrepreneur. How scared were you those first few weeks? I, I've never, I, I told, I used to tell my found, co-founder all the time, give me combat, give me IEDs all over the place. I know, I can, right? You know, cause, uh, cause it's, you know, it's scary. I, I, we only have maybe a third of the team that we started off with and the, the other two thirds are people that came afterwards because man, you know, people, uh, people don't work out and I'm not here to dog on any of the, the guys that were a part of the, the history of this, but you know, when you're trying to build what, like I said, you know, it's easy to say, I want to take all this pile of waste and I want to turn it into clean energy. That's got a consistent throughput and finding this talent and finding the people that can endure um, the years of hardship. That was a challenge, but man in the mirror every day. I, I'm still a little bit scared to be honest with you, Mike, like, let's not like I wake up every day a little bit with that 445 motivation. You know what I mean? That's why working out, man, working out keeps the demons at bay. Right. Because all that anxiety and all that stuff, I work out. I'm like, you know what? Whatever comes today, I'm ready. But I remember being I remember the first three weeks after I left my full time job, I lived in a constant state of shock. You know, yeah. it was just it was just a constant state. I just remember that. But again, three I wrote down. I can't, I have no idea what life looks like three months from now, because three months was the time I would run out of money and it just kept extending. It kept extending, you know. Uh, but I, I that, run out of, we, we've run out of money a couple of times too, you know. <laughs> That's what comes and, with uh, it. Everybody it comes wants with to it. sell. Everybody wants to sell this entrepreneur dream. Like it's so amazing. Guess what? You become an entrepreneur, you get the good, the bad, and the ugly. And like he said, yeah. you got to look at yourself in the mirror. And so, when I bring on guests like you that keep it real, this is how we impact entrepreneurs. Because there's a lot of people that put out a lot of BS out there, and it it's not helpful for our community given what we've already sacrificed. So I want people to come in eyes wide open, head on a swivel, bobbing and weaving, ready to go. Um, and I love the fact that, like you say, working out, not just for the physicality out of it, but the mental, be able to endure the grind. If you're gonna endure the grind, you gotta take care of your body because that's what's gonna help take care of your mind as well. Yeah. So what's your BHAG? What's your big, hairy, audacious goal? What's that commander's intent? So, yeah, the big, hairy, audacious goal is that when you think about relocatable, renewable power, you think about local and its team of, of, of veterans who are here to take that, that new capability globally. And I met with, I've had the privilege of meeting some high-profile leaders in the process. And I met with uh, Queen Maxima from the Netherlands about a month ago over in, with, um, in Austin. And it was talking to her about the, uh, you know, the need for the need for independence against, you know, like Russia right now. They've got a major issue with natural gas. They've got farmers who are having a difficult time growing food without all these chemicals. And I just thought to myself, you know, a world without waste, a world without organic waste and the technologies, either the tech, either my technologies, or it inspires a hundred other entrepreneurs behind me that says, I can build what Murray's building. I can do it in, in Germany. I can do it in Italy. I can do it in Japan. And so what I would like to see is a world where people look at waste as a defect in a, more, in a process. You know, just like you don't like throwing things away, we shouldn't like throwing things away. It should not be so habit. It should be like, why, why do I have to discard? You know, why did I get it packaged this way? Or, 
Or why do I have a big old mound full of garbage that is sitting over there? Like what happened? That's because we, we weren't as efficient as we could be. So my hairy audacious goal, there's a local brand in every municipality around the world. And it's inspired by, by two things, a desire to improve people's lives and a desire to improve the planet. And by, by doing both, there's value there. There's economic value there. There's social value. There's stability. There's inspiration. You know, it's more than just hard tech. It's a lifestyle. It's a, it's a change in the way we think. As we wrap up here, I got two questions for you. Number one, we've got a community of veteran entrepreneurs and military spouses all over the country, all over the world. How can we help you reach that BHAG? And number two, I would love for you to leave some words of encouragement and advice to our listeners as they pursue their own entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. Well, the, the best thing you could do for us is, is to go onto our social media channels and, and just comment, like, share, and promote. And it's easy. You can do it from your phone right now. We've got www.local.com. If you go to YouTube and you search local, now again, that's L-O-C-O-A-L, uh, you take a look at our videos to see what we're doing. You can get on to LinkedIn or Instagram. We're on everything. And, uh, and just participate that way. Share something that you like. Words of encouragement. I'll say this, and I say this to the guys that I'm hired, the, 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 the people that I'm hiring. I say guys, it's men and women too, but I tell my team, I say, hey, you know, you guys are amazing. You're amazing in the, the life choices you made to put the uniform on. You're amazing in the life choice you made to, 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 to step into such a noble cause. But most importantly, what inspires me every single day about veteran entrepreneurs is that you know what it's like to have true grit. And maybe there's times that you don't feel like you can let that animal out, that that, that, that that person that was able to hit 26 miles on an afternoon for a ruck march just because you and your buddy felt like it, you know, that you can spend year after year bouncing between deployment there and back and you're holding it together mentally. People that have not faced these challenges and you have, you have done things that are remarkable, that no classroom can teach you, that very few work environments can teach you, and that is a true understanding of what your own character is and what your own capabilities are. So be proud of what you've done. You don't need to rest on your laurels. You're never going to be a, a sergeant again. You're not going to be a lieutenant again. Those are You're not going to be a colonel again. Those days are past you. Um, but what you can be in front of you is still your best years, your best efforts. And, and that is solely, solely on your shoulders. And it's, ama it's amazing what you guys, what y'all can do, what you're capable of doing if you just put your mind to it and you don't quit. You just beat that drum until it's done. Miles, man, it's been a pleasure having you here today. I'm excited to follow your journey. To all our listeners, let's show them some love on the socials. Let's elevate the brand. This is important work. He's one of our own. And this is how we support and build an amazing community of veteran entrepreneurs and military spouses. For all our listeners, make sure you subscribe to uh, the newsletter for the transition at the link in the show notes. If there's a lot topic you'd like me to cover either on this show or in the newsletter. Shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org or message me directly on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. Until next time, everyone, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week.